Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to take a ride on the Steelers afternoon drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome in to another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders. Alan, I found myself like actually humming along that time, and I almost went straight past the intro into this humming still. But Alan, how are you doing? It's good. It's a, it feels like it's a it's a it's a renegade day. I don't know. I just I'm into it. I'm into it. Maybe it's like we need. Oh, you know what? We should have seen if we could have gotten just like a little bit of an like a holiday version updated too just for this special episode right before christmas um yeah but now you know what the original is too good you can't you can't mess with a good thing i'm trying to envision what it would sound like with that like super like uh old school like kind of fender guitar kind of sound you get with like maybe like rocking around the christmas tree or like run Mm. run rudolph that like real like old school twangy uh, electric guitar. I don't know. It could be interesting. I'd, I'd be. I'd, I'd... You, get the, you, you get the wheels spinning here. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Alan, I, I, I don't know that it's crazy that we haven't touched on it yet this week, but, you know, we were talking before we started recording and you mentioned like, and I'm sure other people brought it up, but you look at where the Steelers were at and where the Bengals were at when they just met a few weeks ago and the Steelers arguably having their best 
offensive performance other than on the scoreboard. Like a lot of people had a lot of hope with what they did moving the ball. Kenny played arguably start to finish his best game. Like there were a lot of good things to take away from that game other than the amount of points that the Steelers put up on the board. Now, since then, them and the team that they played, the Cincinnati Bengals have gone in complete opposite directions. They figured things out. They found a game plan that works for Jake Browning, a recipe for success for him and have gone on a nice little run. And the Steelers have just totally collapsed losing three straight games, um, two of those to definitely inferior opponents, and then the Indianapolis Colts who are home. also playing a backup quarterback, and two of those at home. Yes, yeah. I cannot stress enough, Arizona and New England, two win teams were both also at Akershore Stadium. So, you know, I think it's important to bring up, too, like the last time that these guys met was not that long ago and how different things look now just a few weeks later. They really are quite different. I mean, not just for the Steelers either. This is a very different Bengals team in terms of the way it feels, uh, the the mood around it. You know, like, look, I mean, they were having a struggle of a year to begin with, uh, even when Joe Burrow was healthy. Then he gets hurt, and you kind of think, here comes the white flag, right? Like, And and, Mm -hmm. and it didn't happen. You know, I, I think part of that is that they've gotten really good play out of Jake Browning, but I think a lot of it is just a testament to the leadership in that locker room, the coaching that they're getting. Like I asked Mike Tomlin this question on Monday. I was like, why have the Bengals been able to have so much success with Jake Browning? Like I find it very unlikely that this guy who was an undrafted free agent, never really thought of as much of a pro prospect has been available for basically anyone to sign for four seasons is actually very good and i'm not talking about like he's been good as a backup i'm talking about like his numbers as a backup are among the best of any quarterback in the nfl this year like i find it very hard to believe that jake browning is actually a pro bowl quarterback i think it's much more likely that the Bengals are doing a really 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 good job of putting him in positions to succeed and at the same token when the steelers go from kenny pickett to mitch trubisky which we've seen not to be that significant of a talent drop-off, if any, honestly. And they get worse with Mitrovsky and significantly worse. I think it really exposes some failures in the Steelers' coaching and their leadership and the way they go about their business that the drop-off from Kenny Pickett to Mitch Trubisky sank the Steelers' season, and the Bengals have been better with Jake Browning than they were with Joe Burrow. Yeah, I, these are two independent thoughts that popped in my head as you were talking. I don't want to like steer this conversation in a different direction, but they just popped in my mind. Jake Browning, what's going on right now, almost kind of reminds me because like I could go, I could see us going into this offseason, all of a sudden like a team is like willing to bring him in and give him a different opportunity. If you remember like when Andy Dalton was hurt and AJ McCarron was their starter and like Cleveland tried to trade a second round pick for him, I'm just like picturing maybe a bit before your time, but Scott Mitchell filled in for Dan Marino one year with the Miami Dolphins and they won yeah, like ten or eleven games and then the lions gave him a huge contract to be their starter the next year and yeah. was horrendous um this was like late in marino's career uh but scott mitchell is to me will always be the sort of posters also played for the Bengals uh later in his career mm. but yeah 1993 scott mitchell played seven games in relief of dan marino uh and had an 84 passer rating and they won three of their four games, but you know the Dolphins were pretty good that year. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he went on to be the starter for the Detroit Lions and was miserable for most of the next five years. Well, so, yeah, I don't know who he is, so 
that that's the, that's show, the yeah. lesson there right is that like yeah like here's here's the other thing it's like if you've traded jake browning for mitch trubisky at the end of that game three weeks ago four weeks ago does the result of any of these games in between change like do the steelers have more success with jake browning do the bengals have less with trubisky or is it really not that much about the individuals and about the scheme, the coaching, the X's and O's, and the culture of the locker room that the Bengals have been able to overcome this and, in fact, thrive in this situation yeah. where the Steelers have failed. Like, I don't feel like Jake Browning will be the it would be the answer to all the Steelers' problems right now. No, no, and I think that that's kind of what's gotten exposed about the Steelers by everybody else around the league. Uh, the other real quick independent thought that I had was I'm almost happier about this happening because I had the worst nightmare when this all started to happen with the Bengals that they end up with like a top eight ish pick and end up with like Brock Bowers on their team or something like that and are better long-term for it. So I would rather have them win some games here. Now I obviously don't want them as a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers to go on some playoff run or anything like that. But this to me is more palatable than them ending up with like a Brock Bowers on that roster. That's also been an interesting thought. I actually think this version of the Bengals is pretty likable from like a neutral fan standpoint. Like I think Joe Burrow is very easy yeah. to root for T Higgins There's, as Shane. individuals. Those are exciting yeah. players that like, I feel like dude, that catch T Higgins made last week. Like even in the press box where you know, you're talking about like battle hardened for lack of a better term, like guys that don't react to anything that happens in a football game. Like we're sitting in the press box in Indianapolis when that happened. And there were like audible reactions to that catch from T Higgins. It was like, Oh man. Like, and you know, nobody yeah. in the Indianapolis Pittsburgh press box cares about the Bengals. It was just an incredible play. I think they're fun to watch. Um, Joe Mixon, maybe not, not so easy to get yeah. behind, but uh, uh, yeah. So, but anyway, no, I mean, I think, yeah, like dude, when that happened, I was like, Oh, the Bengals, they're going to lose T Higgins and free agency and replace him with Marvin Harrison. Like uh, that, yeah. that was yeah. exactly <laughs> what I saw happening. Like that they were going to get to like top five in the draft and end up, you know, right there. So, I mean, I guess it's good for the Steelers in a big picture, but I think it really exposed some significant flaws that like Kenny Pickett was uh, holding a lot of things together with this offense that have since fallen apart. Yeah. And, and you talk about that, like falling apart. It just seems like each week something's going on with the Steelers more than just the results of football games. Now you can say that that may be, you know, heightens the conversation, makes it louder and things start to snowball when you're not winning football games. That's very true, but there's things other than the results that are going on with the Steelers. But if you look at it, Alan, what I think is interesting is it's pretty much all about the offense, right? I mean, or at least mostly it is about the offense of this team. When you talk about a lack of leadership, I don't think you have that on the defensive side of the ball. The defense also, like if you're talking about production you, and all your star powers on the defensive side of the football. So I think that's an interesting conversation to have too, is just like most of the Steelers' problems, really, coaching, personnel, all these things come from the offensive side of the football. Yeah, I don't think it's really, a, a, like I think it's, it, it's an interesting conversation because I think a lot of this gets like thrown on Mike Tomlin. And I think at the end of the day, he's responsible for it. But I also feel like on defense, there's a significant group of individuals that both played. So, you know, Cam Hayward obviously is like this anchor to the Steelers past, right? Where he played with, 
mm-hmm. guys that were on Super Bowl teams, right? He played with, you know, some of the, the, the guys that are in the Hall of Fame are going to end up there. And TJ Watt came in at the end of that, but certainly played with guys that played with and, and lots of them. And then you also have guys that did not have that connection, but are just on their own incredible individual individuals that have awesome leadership capabilities. Guys like Minka Fitzpatrick, Alex Highsmith, Patrick Peterson, right? Where like these aren't guys that have this specific attachment to the Steelers' past, but are just in my mind, remarkable people in terms of their knowledge, approach to the game, fundamentals, all these things. And so when I think when you when you have that synergy, right, where you have this attachment and then you add the right people, I think that's what provides a really strong team dynamic. And look, I think the Steelers defense has that. Like I, I don't think the Steelers like not like there's this huge divide in the way I think about the culture and the personalities and the 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 buy-in of the Steelers defense as I do the offense. It's like they're almost different teams. Like where like one is mm-hmm. everything you would want it to be, and the other is, well, maybe not nothing that you would want it to be, but certainly not even close. And I think that you can sort of see that like that's a long-term problem, right? Like you can't have a connection to the 2010 Steelers if you don't have a player that was on the 2010 Steelers, right? Like that's, that's obvious, but like Mm -hmm. the problem is, is that the Steelers did not in those drafts at that time, like Cam Hayward is still here. TJ Watt is still here. Why are there no offensive players from that era still on this team? Well, it's because they weren't good. Like that, like, this is a problem that is over a decade in the making, right? Where like you don't just show up in 2023 and say, "Man, we don't have enough leaders here." Like you you don't have enough leaders in 2023 because when you drafted Cam Hayward, the rest of the class was Marcus Gilbert. You know, like he's not here anymore. Like you know, like the, 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 there's been Years and years. And look, Cam has had an exceptionally long career, but the guys that you would think like, okay, where are my 10-year vets? Where are my nine, eight-year vets? Where are the bulk of the guys that should be the leaders and the connections to previous teams? Let me just go through the off the Steelers drafts of that time. Le'Veon Bell, wrong personality. And, you know, not here anymore, obviously. You know, but like, None of these got Marcus Wheaton, Landry Jones. Like, like where where was the guy that was supposed to be Dre Archer, Martavius Bryant? Like, where? I mean, okay, Shazier gets hurt. Can't do anything about that. Um, Sammy Coates, Jesse James. Like, there's no – not only did they not work out, Gerald Hawkins. Like, there wasn't even – like, Juju. I Like – that James Connor, I guess maybe that class is the first place where you have some like hope that maybe they could have got it right enough that those guys would still be here. And really, honestly, it's mostly about injuries and salary cap that those guys aren't. And maybe they could have been the leaders this team needs, but 
I mean, the reason that defense doesn't have a Cam Hayward or the Steelers offense doesn't have a Cam Hayward and a TJ Watt is that the Steelers didn't draft an offensive version of Cam Hayward and TJ Watt. Like the leadership problem is the same problem as the talent problem. Like it's, it's the same thing. And then when, you know, you look at the offensive guys that they've added, they traded for Mickey Fitzpatrick. They added uh, Peterson as a free agent, Highsmith in the draft. Have any of the Steelers' offensive signings over the last two years come in here and shown the kind of high-level acumen, leadership, personal responsibility, dedication, uh, humble, you know, uh, humility that those three guys have? Any, any, you can you can put the entire pile of the Steelers' offensive additions since 2010, and you don't get three guys like that. Like they just. They don't exist. Right. So, I mean, from that standpoint, you know, we've talked a lot about the, you know, the coaching failures on the offensive side of the football. Does it even go beyond that, though, to like an evaluation of the offensive side of the football? Yeah. I mean, and both an evaluation of and a and dedicating resources to. I mean, yeah. Look at the history of still first round draft picks. There's a lot of defense there, right? I mean, like, it's not, they, they don't necessarily like who are the big offensive free agent signings of the last five years uh, yeah james daniels isaac sim all like the offensive line right now like yeah that's it like before that though there were no big splashy off of eric ebron like i think like, mm, yeah I mean, there's not they're not like that talk about a culture guy like if George Pickens learned how to block, it might have been from Eric Ebron. Um, like, like there's, there's, I think there is a, there is a leadership void because mm-hmm. of the failures of this team going back for a decade. It's not like this is a 2023 Mike Tomlin problem. It is a Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert, Art Rooney problem in the way that they put those teams together. That there were failings and that they did not were not able to come up with those kind of leaders out of the you don't have to always focus on leadership like not every player needs to be a leader there's plenty of examples of look i said this the other day when people were going off about the steelers way i was like the same people that are going off about the steelers way are now like furious at uh richard mendenhall but like richard mendenhall went to the super bowl with the steelers right like i mean that's he was clearly crazy then too. Like it just, it, you don't need a hundred percent buy-in. Not everybody has to be this great leader, but you got to get enough of them. And it's very clear that over the years, the Steelers have not gotten enough of them on the offensive side of the football to get where they need to be. Yeah. I, it, it would, another thought that just popped in my mind when you were talking about the defense, I was going to wait until after to ask you, but where does like a guy like Joey Porter Jr. fall in this? Obviously, he's still a very young player, but like his dad was part of these great Steelers that you're talking about. So like, where does he fall in line with that? He's following in the footsteps of that group I named. I just didn't list him because he's a rookie, but he will be there. I feel pretty good about that. Like, okay. yeah, I mean, yeah. he certainly gives that off, right? But it's yeah. like wanting to see it also put to practice. Yeah, but like I, I feel good about the leadership of the defense. I feel bad about the leadership of the offense because it doesn't it doesn't exist. Like it it's not they've had to it's a rebuild in in personnel and personality. And like they they restock the cupboard on defense, right? 
Like who is starting on this defense that was even on this team in 2018? Just Cam Hayward. That's it. Like, mm-hmm. but on offense, you know, okay. Who's who the draft picks were Chooks and Mason Rudolph. Well, like that didn't work out the way you wanted it. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I think there's, there's certainly a, um, it's a reflection of their own failures as in talent acquisition, as much as it is a fault of Tomlin's command of the locker room or the way he treats players. Like, I think that's barking up the wrong tree. I think most of this stuff needs to be handled in the locker room. And it is on the defensive side and it isn't on the offensive side right now. Well, you just talked about the timeline too for the defense, like saying, okay, this TJ was brought in in 17. Prior to that, there's nobody left besides Cam Hayward that was on this defense. And look at where they are now and all the people that you listed that exude those qualities. Because I was going to ask, what type of timeline? Obviously, it's not linear. You can't say it's the exact same for the offense, but like we both, I feel like, feel like they're very clearly far away from that standpoint and having that amount of guys for this offensive side of the football. Cause I was going to ask you like, how long does it take? Do you think to get that within a locker room? Could it be just within a season or two or like, are they still far away from having that? Hmm. I think figuring out quarterback would go a long way. I think it's really hard to have yeah. good leadership as an offense. If the quarterback is not a part of it. And while I think Kenny Pickett is a good leader right now, Kenny Pickett isn't a good quarterback and you can't be one or the other. Like you, you have to be a good player to be a good leader. And I, if Kenny can turn out to be the guy at quarterback, I think that goes a long way to this conversation. I really do. I mean, I think that that fills a significant void because I think he's a good leader, but you can't be a good leader when you're a big part of the problem. Like it's kind of like the same with Mason Cole, right? I mean, right. Yeah, exactly. I think Mason Cole's a good leader. I don't think Mason Cole should be a starter. Like you can't be a good leader and a backup. Like it doesn't work that way. Like it, yeah. and so you have to have the players that are doing it, and you know maybe a guy like Broderick Jones could be that somewhere down the line. But honestly, like I'm not sure I've seen that from his personality. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think they're still in a lot of ways searching for that person. Najee mm-hmm. Harris could be that guy yeah. who's a first round pick. I'm not sure I see it from his personality. I just I just don't. Um, I think that um. There's a lot of there's a lot of misses that go beyond the X's and O's there. Even Dan Moore, like Dan Moore's been here and been starting since 2021. That's probably more starts than anybody else on this offense has with this team right now. But again, even though he's not playing and again, not playing very well, but but doesn't have the personality to lead either. Like they don't have they're, they're 0 for 2, right? They're not very good players and they don't have the leaders either. Like it's, it's, it's a dual pronged problem. Yeah. I, I think that's very interesting. I think like if you're saying you can yeah. tell already that Joey Porter jr. Yeah. Is right. Be one of those leaders. Right. Well, like mm-hmm. even though the offense is young, where are the leaders? Jalen Warren, maybe he's very quiet. I mean, yeah. but he could be, he could be one of those guys. Maybe. Yeah. It, to me, it would be, Kenny, but Isaac again, Sam, like that has to be tied Isaac with Sam him. Alu is also very quiet. Like he's a leader, but in a very yeah. like different way. And, and you need all kinds, right? You need a TJ Watt to be a maniac in the film room and on the practice field and 
really just show you up so badly that you're embarrassed into doing your job better, right? You need a mm -hmm. Cam Hayward that can tell you stories and, and get you to relate and connect and feel the love and the passion and the connection to your, 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 the team's past. And sometimes you need somebody to get in your face and, and, and kick butt. Right. And I think Cam has a little bit of that. I think the Steelers team in general could use a little bit more of that. You know, there was a level of somebody did this. Somebody put this on Twitter yesterday and they said that George Pickens isn't afraid of Mike Tomlin. And I was like, no player, zero players in the NFL right now are afraid of their head coach. Zero. None of them are afraid of him at all. They don't care. They're not physically afraid of him. They're not professionally afraid of him. There's no fear. However, um, there's lots of people that are afraid of other players in the locker room, right? Like there's no, there's no Joe Green on this team. There's no Jack Lambert on this team. There's no James Harrison or Greg Lloyd on this team that walks through that locker room and people shut up because he walked through that locker room, right? Like there's no one that, that like fear of a head coach is not going to be a thing, but fear of your teammate. Yeah, that's a thing. And I'm not really seeing it from this group right now, really from anyone. And even though I think the defense in general has pretty good leadership, like I, I don't really see that out of any of these guys either. Hmm. Yeah. Man, it's an interesting conversation with his offense because it's just so many problems, right? It's not just like it's not one simple fix that you could say, oh, this is the issue. It's layers and layers to this. Um, but you mentioned uh, TJ Watt, obviously, within that. And I, it's interesting because we've had a lot of conversations this week about like defending the Bengals offense and how they do a lot of the same things with or without Jamar Chase. See a lot of three receiver sets, uh, one running back, one tight end. But TJ Watt bringing up, you know, that they do some different stuff in terms of the utilization of their running backs. They have like two or three different guys that they like to use, including rookie Chase Brown, who offers a little bit of a different look than Joe Mixon, who's been there for so long. And Alan, you mentioned TJ Watt talking about Chase Brown and this Bengals offense and uh, diving into that matchup. So what did he have to say about him? And, and honestly, it's something that we really hadn't talked about much is the way that they use different running backs, even though it is only going to be one on the field. Yeah, so, I mean, it's well, it wasn't a thing, right? We go back to the conversation about the differences in these teams. Chase Brown didn't play yeah. hardly at all in that first game between the Steelers and the Bengals. He's really come on as that change of pace guy. You know, they lost Samaj P. Ryan as a free agent mm. last offseason, and I think they didn't really know how to replace him. Um, they have another back, Trey uh, Henderson. Yeah, that's not yeah. Hendrickson. Something, something, uh, Henderson, I don't know. Um, I think it's Henderson, but. He um he came in as the number two, but they really didn't seem like they kind of knew how to use him. And uh, it seems like Chase Brown. Oh, no. Travion Williams. Oh, Williams. It. Okay, there you go. I was confusing Trey Hendrickson, who is the defensive player. Trey Williams is. Uh, is and I was thinking of Travion Henderson at Ohio State. So it all. There you go. There you go. All. Well, it's all Ohio. <laughs> That's all the same. Just. Yeah. If you're in, if your name is Trey and you live in Ohio, we've talked about you in this podcast. There you go. <laughs> Um, so Chase Brown has really come on. He got up some playing time these last few weeks and he is much more like P Ryan in that like third down back kind of role. I think Mixon mm -hmm. really struggles with pass protection. I think that's the one area that I think he can be really exploited. And I think he's been better now that he's had some of that work taken off his plate by Brown. I think they're both really dangerous coming out of the backfield. It's not that Mixon can't pass block. It's that when you put him in there on like third and long, teams can bring in overload blitzes and confuse him, right? Like it's not like he's not capable. It's that he's not necessarily just that talented at it. But, you know, first and second down, he's good out of the backfield. 
Chase Brown's really good out of the backfield. And I think that has the effect of slowing down the pass rush where like it keeps these guys from really pinning their ears back because they're worried about the screen. They're worried about getting chipped. They're worried about the little dump off in the flat. Um, they're worried about the quarterback moving the launch point. And these are things that you do when you have better pass protection and you have running backs that are able to be multi faceted assets in the passing game. Like the way I think the Bengals have really worked mixing and, mm. and, um, and Brown, and I think they're using more of their tight ends in that sort of pretty similar role, too, where it's like double team, get a chip, uh, go on the flat, a little hook. You know, like they're not they're not getting big plays with them. They're using them to keep the pass rush off Jake Browning and to make his life easier, and it's really frustrating defenses. If you watch that Minnesota game, I know it was on right before the Steelers, but, I mean, Brian Flores' defense in Minnesota is pretty different than what the Steelers are doing right now. But you could just sort of see how, like, it was really frustrating, the Vikings' defense, how they just just weren't able to really get to Browning or to really impact him in a way on a down-in and down-out basis that they, they were able to. The one thing I will say is I feel like Browning in that game kind of got away with some throws. Oh, that man. I feel he like was... the Steelers have the playmakers to make him pay for in a different way than the Vikings. I think the Vikings are a very well-run defense. I think Flo's doing a really good job. But I don't think there's like an overwhelming amount of playmaking talent on that team. I think if he's chucking up some ducks with Patrick Peterson and Joey Porter back there, or if he's running around with T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith chasing him down, the results are maybe a little bit different. I think that's something the Steelers should – T.J. was great about this yesterday. He said, look, we know they're going to do everything they can to protect him. We also know – that if they do that all game, they're not going to score very many points. They're going to have to put him at risk a couple times. We just got to make mm. sure that we capitalize on it and make the plays when they do. And if the Steelers are able to do that, I feel okay about their chances in this game, you know, especially of, of being able to just limit this Cincinnati offense. I, I don't know about the, the totality, but you know, this feels like a matchup that the Steelers defense should be able to win. Okay, well, there we go. Let's go to that then in terms of, I don't know if there's anything else within this matchup that you want to highlight, but we, of course, have to give our predictions as this is the show before the game. Um, So, yeah, let's just get into that, whether there's like any bold predictions you have, any certain matchup that you think you want to highlight, and then, of course, uh, a score prediction. Hmm. You know, I think this really is all about the Steelers' offense. I I do think this the Steelers' defense can win this matchup and win it pretty easily. Um, I'm not as concerned about their personnel losses on, on, on the defense coming into this game. I think Eric mm-hmm. Rowe is a pro. He can do the job. I expect we'll see Miles Jack for the first time at linebacker, and I think he'll be better than what they've gotten out of any of the other guys that we've seen there so far. I know that's putting a lot on two guys that haven't played a single down this season. I just think they'll be steadying presences because they're veterans. Like whether or not they're physically like at their peak, they're going to understand their jobs and what to do at a higher level than just filling in the next guy up off the practice squad normally involves. And I think the Steelers, you know, especially with no Jamar Chase in the lineup, you know, they have as much talent on defense as the Bengals have on offense easily right now. So I feel good about the Steelers' defense in this matchup. I think they'll be able to hold Cincinnati to about 20 points or less. I think that's very realistic. I think the question becomes, what happens to the Steelers' offense with Mason Rudolph? You know, I think we laid out yesterday the kind of 
divergent paths that I see here are possible, right? If they can protect Rudolph, I think mm-hmm. given what Cincinnati has shown to be susceptible to, the tight end stuff over the middle, while it may not necessarily line up with Rudolph's skill set in a way that makes me think this is just like a slam dunk, I certainly think he's capable of doing the things that Pickett did four weeks ago to pick apart this Bengals defense. But if they're unable to protect him, and while the Bengals are short on defense a little bit, they still have pretty good pass rush, Hendrickson and uh, um, Hubbard, Sam Hubbard. Hubbard. And then uh, coming off the edge, Mike Hilton has always been an incredible blitzer, and he mm-hmm. really confuses pass rusher, uh, pass protection with what is he coming, is he not, you know? Uh, and so I think that that's something the Steelers were struggling with when Pickett was in there in terms of like, you know, you've all seen the picture of Mason Cole and James Daniels blocking each other, right? Well, that's because they were confused about who was coming and who wasn't. I think the Bengals have mm-hmm. the ability to do that to teams. I'm really concerned about the pass rush impacting Rudolph, his ability to throw the ball, his ability to do what he wants to do, which is let routes develop down the field, try to give George and Deontay some shots, uh, maybe get Calvin Austin involved. I don't know. I, I think that's going to be a tougher sell. For me, it turns to be a conservative game plan for the Steelers and the hope that the defense can really dominate. I think they're going to come up just short in that plan. I do think they'll be able to execute most of it. I just don't think the offense will be able to do quite enough. I'll say the Steelers lose in this one 20-13. Ooh, okay. Well, I don't want to give my score yet because I have a couple things that I want to talk about, but we're kind of in the same wavelength there. Um, but, yeah, it's, to me, this is going to be a test to see what's, if anything, has this coaching staff, offensive coaching staff, learned. Like, this is going to be a good test. We've talked about, like, other teams being able to put together plans for their backup quarterbacks. You already faced this team. You saw what worked against them. Are they going to utilize Pat Fryermuth? And, you know, I know that, again, this maybe doesn't go towards – Mason Rudolph's best strengths, but it is the best way to attack the Cincinnati defense, especially with the defensive looks that they're going to see. So I think it's going to be uh, an interesting test. And a lot of things that we talked about this week with this offensive coaching staff not putting their best their players in the best positions to succeed, I think it's going to test there. Um, yeah, I'm kind of on the same wavelength with you, though. I think the defense is going to be able to do uh, enough to hold them under 20. Uh, I actually had it at 17-13 Cincinnati, but both had the Steelers scoring just 13 points in this one. Um, I just, man, too many questions for me on the offensive side of the football. Um, you know, I, I think the most intriguing thing to me about this game is going to be afterwards when I watch it back on tape. How does George Pickens look in this one when the ball's not in his hands? I want to see what he looks like run blocking. I would, I would be, man, like if I, if I was the offensive coordinator, like I would be running right behind George all day. I would, I, I would, uh, my, my, my response to this would be, uh, the kid who catches the dad who catches his kid smoking and then makes him smoke the whole pack. That's where yeah. I am with George Pickens. You want to catch the ball. I'm going to need 10 blocks from you first. I like that analogy. Yeah. Like I, I would just run right behind him all game. And make him prove that he has learned his lesson here. And make it Jalen Warren. Yeah, 100%. Well, I mean, listen, if I was the offensive coordinator, Jalen Warren would be getting most of the carries anyway. So, yeah, I'm in full. And that kind of just goes back to our thing again, right? Like, Najee's not on that same level of like bad player, what you're getting from like Mason Cole or the quarterback play you've gotten from Pickett. But even if he were to take on a leadership role, we have no idea what Najee's future is going to be in Pittsburgh. So, like, that and again, what could be another guy that they, you know, don't doesn't get a second contract here. Yeah. So 
who knows all right alan anything else no i think that's it all right well it is december 22nd so by the time that we have another episode alan christmas will have come and passed yeah we don't know what we're, we haven't made a plan for i don't know i guess are we gonna do one next week i don't know i have to figure that out <laughs> you're right you're right that uh letting the people here behind the fourth wall opening up the curtain that has not been discussed so maybe i don't know we did one on thanksgiving and it we did and it was okay maybe we'll do something like that i don't know we'll, we'll, we'll have to figure that out okay well I guess we'll, we'll tell the people where they can find you, of course, and then I'll At figure out my head. Score PGH, PGH Steelers, now SteelersNow.com, all the stuff from this game on Saturday, yes. and then uh, we'll go from there. Let us know in the comments how you think this one's going to play out, how how you feel about anything that we touched on. I think that, that was an interesting conversation that we had about the offense today and, you know, scouting guys uh talent and they're also their leadership qualities zachary smith pgh is my account on all social media handles uh like subscribe hit that notification bell here like i said hit us in the comments leave us a five-star review if you are listening somewhere else uh alan and i might see you again before christmas if not everybody obviously have a very happy holidays if we do see you We'll talk to you then, all right? But either way, if you hit that notification bell, you will know when we post another afternoon drive anyways. But until next time, for Alan Saunders, for myself, thanks for jumping in. Take another ride with us on the Steelers afternoon drive. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.